one of the things that uh, that pastors get called upon to do, and that's just I'm going to share a real uh, a real personal, transparent moment here. Um, money is not my thing. I've not been good at it. Um, and when we got our, our earliest start in in uh, marriage, uh, it was probably one of the biggest challenges that I that I had faced. Um, Brother Harry was on the pulpit committee when I was 30 years old, um, and and uh, he was there, and Harvey Murray was on the pulpit committee as a that we had two elders and two deacons and two staff members and at that time. And when they interviewed me about, you know, uh, Pastor Ken, you know, if we, we consider you, what's your biggest challenge when it comes to life? I said, it's going to be the money. I said, you know, this thing is a big operation and it's bigger than me. And I don't, I don't do money well. I don't do numbers well. And, and so it's uh, it's a challenge for me because I know sitting in here, we have uh, really sharp bookkeepers. We have, uh, you know, there's probably a CPA or two sitting around out here. There's some, there's some people that are really crackerjack with a, uh, you know, with a spreadsheet. And, um, and so my goal as a pastor is how can I communicate to people that are like me, maybe that are number challenged, you know, and, uh, and, and as well as people that are like stinking geniuses as, as it relates to the financial side. And, uh, so what you're going to get today is you're going to get, uh, uh, Pastor Ken's best teaching from the time I was working with kids. And this is why I have myself a little object lesson. I feel better because I have an object lesson. And uh, so it's, it's going to be, we're, we're going to slow things way down, and I'm going to show you the elementary understandings of, of uh, how to get a handle around money. Now, uh, before I do that, how many of y'all did your homework, and you took your index card, and your Sharpie, and you sat with your spouse in a public place where you wouldn't get in a fist fight over the conversation, and you wrote down your one word that money is uh, means this to me? And how many of you found the hardest thing was to reduce it to one word, right? You had to get it down to one word. Some of you, it was, you know, for some of you, the guys, for some of you, it was boat <laughs> or gun or whatever. I don't know. But uh, for me, that could be motorcycle, but it's not. Um, you know, so the idea behind what we're trying to do, and uh, pull this sheet out so we can all look at the same one again. Uh, this is your one-page financial plan, and what the what the homework is intended to do for you um, is to take that one word and say, okay, say my word was security. Take my one word and then say, what does security look like in my financial future, and, and how do I put that into some kind of a goal? So I would create this uh, financial goal that communicates security. Um, I said this last week, um, and it's, it's only because I've done a lot of reflection on mine and Holly's relationship, that I realize that I think more in the here and now terms, and my wife thinks more about 20 years out. Now, I'm not saying she, she bypasses the here and now, but she, you know, her, her thinking has more to do with let's make sure we have enough for our whole life. And can, can you just say in a big amen with me? That's important. That's important. You don't want to be, it's one thing to run low on money when you're 35 and you can do something about it. It's another thing to run low on money at 75 when, when your body ain't quite working like it used to. And, uh, and so we, so we have to think about all of those things, uh, but different people have different backgrounds when it comes to money and we have different, uh, we have different feelings about it. So I wanted to make sure we had our feelings, uh, uh on our card there. And then, so your, your emotional, this is your 
your emotional balance sheet. These are the things that are important to my family or my me as an individual if you're single. This is what's important to me as it relates to money. And I, I want to challenge you, even if it's just you, take yourself on a date night. Write your word down, buy whatever you want to have for dessert, and do the thinking. Why? Because God may not keep you single forever, and you need to know what you know and what you believe when it comes to money. Here's why. Um, I've sat with too many couples. Uh, I do premarital counseling with couples, and I've sat with too many couples that didn't understand or didn't talk deeply about what money means to me. And and then they, they come in and they sit there, and you know, if we didn't do a spending plan, we're going to talk about allocation today, and that's a fancy word for budget. But if they didn't get into agreement ahead of time, they didn't know really how they felt about money, when a circumstance would come up, there would be a blow up. Maybe it was extra money. There was a windfall. Hey, we got a big tax check. So one part of the, the partnership says, party, party. We are going to have a party with that money. And the other one says, man, I've just been waiting to be able to put a down payment on, you know, on something that we needed for the house, or I wanted to do this or that or the other thing. And they never talked about it ahead of time, but all of a sudden the windfall comes in. And instead of it being a, we already know what we're going to do and there's rejoicing. Now we're having a ugly fest, right? So the emotional balance sheet is so important to do. Now, um, in uh, speaking of budget and premarital counseling, I've had some of the funniest things happen in premarital counseling, um, and some of y'all are here, so I won't mention any names. Um, but uh, but some of the funniest one of the one of the funniest things I ever had was a young couple, and they and they were a young couple, and uh, so I, I, I hasten to say, did I did I say that they're a young couple? They're a young couple, and uh, they came into my office, and uh, and he I said, okay, we're going to talk about budget, and he comes in, and he said, oh, I do the budget. I said, great, you know, and and. Uh, I'm knowing the family and everything. This guy comes in with it. The budget's written on a napkin. You ever, you ever heard the statement, the medium is the message? And in that moment, I was getting a message that I was like, okay, so what's the filing system look like? <laughs> If the budget's on a napkin, what's the what's the filing system look like? And uh, and so uh, so I've seen budgets on napkins, and then I've seen powerpoints with slides and spreadsheets, you know. And so whether you're the whether you're the back of the napkin person or the spreadsheet person, I hope that somewhere along the line something helps you today. Something uh, maybe opens up a little more communication for the two of you as a as a couple. I have some very clear goals. That, that after this month, that we will either lessen arguments over money or we will downright kill every argument related to money between the two of you. That's a lofty goal. But if you will do the work, I believe that money doesn't have to be a sore spot in your marriage. If you will do the work, you don't have to wound, bruise, injure one another around the subject of money because you as a couple are too important to the Lord to break up or cause division around the subject that is so temporal here today gone tomorrow right and yet because of our feelings not being expressed because we we haven't i i'm not living personally i'm not living in right relationship with money i'm wanting money to do something it was never designed to do that I end up uh, taking it out on the most precious person in my life 
Why would I ever do that? Right? So I want to get to the place where we dialogue through this. And so that's one goal. Second goal is if you've never, ever, 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 ever been able to save money, that through this process, we would get you to the place where you have what Dave Ramsey would call baby step number one, $1,000 saved. And that was a huge goal for me when I was, when I was younger and want to, want to help get you there. If you're a person to say, Pastor Ken, we got that, but we just don't have anything going for investment. I don't understand investment. I know about that, but we'll talk about it next week. Next week, we'll talk about uh, a little bit about debt reduction. We'll talk about uh, investing, that kind of stuff, Um, because I want to be able to touch on that for everybody. Everybody has to do this emotional balance sheet. Everybody has to say, I, this is how I see money and it's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's just how I see it. And, and that's where you begin, right? That's where you begin. And Holly and I told a little bit of our story about how I came up with my relationship with money. She came up with her relationship with money. And, and that little bit of understanding helps me to know how she feels whenever, whenever we either, we, we run short or we have a windfall. And because you, you, you create these attachments to things. Let me tell you about one of my silly little attachments, but it's serious as a heart attack in my life. Never, ever, ever let my refrigerator run out of milk. Because when my refrigerator runs out of milk, there's this level of panic that rises in my soul. It's unexplainable. It defies the imagination why I would have this attachment to milk. But one or two times, Holly went to the store and did not buy milk. And it created an issue. You what? You went to the store and you didn't buy milk? What were you thinking? I mean, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, and this is, a, this is me being nice because this is public, right? It was inside, inside, there was this angst, there was this storm. I don't know why, but you know, but when I reflect on it, I go back to when I was younger and there wasn't as much stuff in the house. And if I had milk, I could do anything. If I had milk, I could make some cereal. If I had milk, I could dip my cookies. Who wants Oreos without milk? Who cares, man? If I had milk, I could do a dozen different things. But if I didn't have milk, man, it was always lost. I mean, that's the way it felt, right? And so, so we have these little attachments to things. And if you're not honest about it, if you won't admit it to yourself, then you're in for a world of hurt with your spouse because they're fighting a the battle. They know not why. Why is this guy? She's probably thinking, Lord, why did you put me with this guy? He's got this thing with milk. So you, you and I have to learn to move into agreement. And the first thing you have to do with that, right, we talked about is understand why you are the way you are in regards to money. Today I'm going to talk about allocation. That's just a fancy word for budget. Um, read the scripture with me, everybody. Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verse 3 and 4. Let's out loud, <coughs> best, best speaking voice. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. The number one book that I could refer to everybody uh, for money is the 
book of Proverbs. If you want to know how to do life, read the book of Proverbs. If you want to understand the deeper principles behind what's going on, read Proverbs. Cool thing about Proverbs, there's on average, there's 31 days in a month, and there are 31 Proverbs. You could read one chapter of Proverbs every day uh, with your milk and cookies. And you would have your recommended daily allowance of wisdom at the same time. And so it's a good practice, friends. I, I encourage you to do it. Allocation is the action or process of distributing something. That's a, a quick and easy definition for us today. And so as I talk about spending plans, notice with me that there are three words in this proverb that stand out. By wisdom, a house is built. Well, I thought they you either built one with blocks or you stick built it or something. No, by wisdom, a house is built. By wisdom, a house is built. The second word, through understanding, it is established. Um, when oftentimes when I feel stuck, it's because I don't have understanding. I don't understand how something is supposed to work. I, I draw a blank when I should have ideas. Uh, I know there's a way, but I don't know what the way is. And, and so, the, so Solomon here is telling us, by wisdom a house is built through understanding, it's established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And so wisdom, understanding, and knowledge is this triumvirate from in the book of Proverbs that you see repeated over and over and over. And it, it, it applies to everything in life. God is established everything on the planet through wisdom. If you understand that, that God built the world with wisdom, then you can say, ah, okay, I get it. God looks at the end from the beginning. He sees, he sees where the train track is going before he puts the first nail in the track. He, he, uh, he, he lays it all out by wisdom. A house, this house is established. And so there are things in your life and mine that uh, when you're talking about money, um, you're going to use different words. And I'm going to teach you some language right here. Sometimes when we see something that we just think is not wise, we say, that's stupid. Why would you, that's wrong. Why would you use that? Why would you make that decision? Why did you go buy those $500 snakeskin boots when we can't pay our power bill? Stupid. Let me ask you to just reel those words back in and say, that really wasn't wise. Because we're here not just for today, but we're here to establish our house. We're here to establish wealth. I'm going to talk about wealth building. Wealth building has less to do with how much money you make and more to do with how you allocate it. It has to do with how much you save, not how much, how much you keep, not how much you make. So it's possible that you could drive a fork truck and retire a millionaire. It's possible. It's possible to work at Chick-fil-A your entire life and have a good retirement. It's possible. You got to be focused. You got to be diligent. Some of y'all look at me and say, ain't no way. I work too hard. I want to teach you how to make your money work for you rather than you work for your money. And then you'll understand that money, remember, remember what we said about money last week, work, work on it with me. Money is an excellent servant, but a terrible master. Money is an excellent servant, but a terrible master. Allocation tells your servant what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. And if you don't tell your money what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, 
it will whip up on you. It'll get out from under your hands. It'll get out of your hands, and it'll say, more, more, more. Just go get more of me, and I'll make your life better. No. You start telling it what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, and it will serve you. And so that's what allocation is all about. Real quick things as we go through here. Good spending plans have a few things in common. This is not exhaustive. This is off the top of my head, okay? Uh, you know, just going through there. I, I want you to understand that, that this, is, uh, this is allocation from a very simplistic view. Some of you are, you, you have degrees in money and degrees in numbers. And so this is not for you. You're going to say, you're probably going to fall asleep, uh, but uh, but I just want you to understand the basics. Why? Because everything that I've ever done, I have to reduce it down to be able to teach an eight-year-old. That's how I learned ministry. And so if it, if it doesn't resonate with an eight-year-old, I've done it wrong. And so I'm, I'm just going to break this down so that it's real simple for you and I. First of all, they account for all income. In our, uh, in our uh, illustration today, the red bucket represents everything that you have coming in. This is your... This this is all of your income right here in this little bucket, right? They account for all income, a spending plan. They account for all expenses. They plot a clear path forward to cover the big four. What are the big four? Shelter or and, and or utilities, food, transportation, and basic clothing. Uh, if, if you're missing one of those big four, you're probably, you're probably scrambling. You're, you're high stress right now. You're high stress if you don't have a house. You're high stress if you don't have money for food. You're high stress if you don't know how you're going to get to work tomorrow. Uh, you know, so all of those things, you know, and obviously you need to be wearing some clothes. It's for everybody. Uh, number four, they are easy to read for all involved. Uh, going back to my story about when I became 30 years old and became senior pastor at Lighthouse, um, I didn't know how to read a balance sheet. I didn't know how to read, oh, we're putting you in charge of that entire house. Yeah, thank God for people who had wisdom who came alongside of me and said, Pastor Ken, this is how you read a, a, a spreadsheet. This is how, this is what a balance sheet's supposed to do. One of, the, one of the things that the Lord impressed on me to do when I became senior pastor, uh, you know, uh, 30, well, when I was 30 years old, is that uh, because I didn't understand money, I, I, I found myself a mentor. Um, he happened to be a, a securities broker, um, you know, in another city. And uh, I'd met him in a conference and we just started talking and he loved the Lord and he loved his church and he was involved in his church. And uh, I was asking him questions at that time about establishing a foundation and, uh, and, and things like that as it related to, because I, because I'd heard about about churches that had endowments, you know, and we, we had so much debt and so much stuff, but I'd heard about churches that had endowments that had, had, uh, you know, found ways to create an income stream to look after the maintenance on buildings, things like that. And so I'm just, I, you know, I, I'm not even knowing, you know, I'm not thinking much past lunch, but, but, but I had these, I had these buzzwords and I wanted to talk to somebody. So I, so I, I asked, I said, you know, I'll pay you for your time. Cause this guy, I said, you know, I'll, I'll buy your lunch. I'll pay you for your time. No, I'm happy to talk. And he sat down with me and he began to talk me through, this is, this is how you read a spreadsheet. This is how you read a balance sheet. This is what you need to be looking at, you, you know, cause it all looked like spaghetti. 
to me. It all looked like it's all, ah, you know, it was a wall of numbers that prevented me from having any understanding. He said, you don't look at it all. You just follow it line by line. And he showed me how to trace it all out. And, and so they've, so what, what I want you to understand is that finances can be complex. Now, this is a, a, a statement that comes from a guy named James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, which I highly recommend. But he said it this way. Um, he said, simplicity before complexity is foolish, but simplicity after complexity is genius. So how many of you have ever uh, gotten around somebody that maybe, uh, maybe uh, was a really good musician and you didn't know anything about theory, but they sat with you and they showed you a few things and they were able to condense all of music theory down into a few steps and, and show you how to play something, even though you didn't know all the complexity. They had gone from the simplicity of not knowing anything through the complexity of understanding something in a deep way, but now they were able to reduce it down into a few steps to get you going, right? Um, when you're talking about your budget, whatever you're doing, your spending plan needs to be simple enough that everybody can look at it, that, that both, both parties, both members in this organization need to be able to look at it and say, okay, I can see what we're doing and I can see how to go about it. See, it's not good for just one person to have, all, to have it all to themselves. You don't need to know about it. I'm just telling you everything's all right. Well, that's great, as long as you're still on the planet. But when you're not on the planet, or when something comes up and you don't know how to do it, or whatever, whatever, and so start this practice now. Can I just tell you, I have I have done too many funerals with uh, with one party that the, the the departed spouse did the money, and then the the other party doesn't even know where the passwords are, doesn't know where anything is, doesn't know where the paperwork is. Can you hear it in my voice? I don't want to be in those situations. I don't want to be in those spots where the, the person that knows about the money is gone and the person that doesn't know about the money says, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. They always did it. So fix it. This is Pastor Ken. I love you. I'm your friend. Fix it. And so uh, it's got to be easy enough for both parties to understand. Number five, they are looked at and regularly evaluated against an objective standard. What's an objective standard? Well, Dave Ramsey, Larry Burkett, with Larry's gone on to his reward, Crown Financial is the ministry that he founded. Um, the, a lot of these Christian ministries in particular have, uh, have sheets, templates that you can look at that just have basic numbers. This is how much you ought to be, percentage of your income you ought to be spending on, on uh, you know, a house. This is how much for food. This is how much for whatever, whatever. Have an objective standard. Why is that important? Because your life is made of numbers, even if you don't want to look at them. Right? All of life has numbers attached to it. Oh, some of y'all just got, it's altar call time for, for number challenge people. Oh, Jesus, take me out now. I don't want more numbers. But if you go to the doctor, what are they going to do? They're going to say, stand here. They're going to say, step on the scales. No, 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 no. 
but you do it. And, and then they're going to take your blood pressure and they're going to check your heart rate. What is all that? They're checking your health. They're measuring your health against an objective standard. And when you and I get our budget, our spending plan, and we, and we compare it with an objective standard, it gives us a, a starting place. It's just a snapshot, right? It does, you don't live or die by it. You don't, you don't throw, you know, oh, the sky is falling. We're 2% over on our housing budget. Get a life. Come on. Get some faith. Get another job. These objective standards are guidelines. And so get a, get a, a guideline that shows you how to, okay, where, where are we, where, you know, wow, this thing, we're off by like 10% here. Why is that? And it starts you on the, the road to asking some questions about how you do what you do. Absent objective, an objective standard, we can just go, like perilously go off a cliff and never even know it. We don't know how we got here. We don't know why we got here. Well, somebody with an objective standard say, well, well, that's out of whack. You know, you're spending $500 a month at Chick-fil-A. That's a problem. Not wise. Oh, I just stepped on somebody's toes. You know, okay. So here, remember, it's all right here, right? But, uh, but when you turn over the bucket of allocation, and this is all that you have, then you have all of these other buckets. So if you and I are talking about our spending plan, imagine, imagine that each, each of these is a little line item that goes into your spending plan, right? And uh, so you allocate a certain amount of money for every part of what you need. Now we've got the big four. So, so this is, maybe this is your, your house and your utilities. That's a, that's a percentage. And then you've got your food budget probably is not going to be, you know, it, it's not going to be as big as this one. Um, that's probably like transportation, looking after the car or something, but maybe your food budget is over here and you got to make sure you have that. And, uh, you know, and then you got a clothing budget and some of y'all need some new clothes, but right now we don't have the money. So you're down in this guy right here, right? So what you have to do is you have to say, okay, these are the things I have to do before anything else, right? And, and so you, you kind of play to them. And that's maybe where you're at when you're starting out. And you, you use your objective standard to compare with those things. And then you start asking questions of it. Now, in your, in your financial summary right here, your cash flow summary, let's look at that one-page financial plan again. Remember, you, you took your index card, your one word, and then you created some goals. Each of you got something that you got to put on there. So hers was this, uh, his was this, and then maybe ours together is the, is, this is our goal together, what we want to do. But then there's this big, this, this big circle is this big bucket right here. You're looking at that circle that has nothing in it. And the first thing Thing we're going to do is we're going to put some percentages. And, and so uh, you start with, you start with how much, start at the bottom, how much are you going to give? We talked about alignment last week. So uh, the first 10% goes to the Lord. So start there, start with 10% there. Then the, the one that really easy to figure out is how much you owe. Cause you're reminded of that regularly. Right. And uh, so you put the percentage of what you owe and then you deduct uh, that 100 per, from the 100% what you're going to give, what you owe. And, and the grow is investment. 
The grow is savings. The, the grow is I'm going to put that aside. And then what do you have left to live on? So you determine the grow percentage. And then whatever you have left is your live on percentage. And so you, you put those things in there. You just track it out. And then you could, you know, you could just to make it easy to read, you divide that pie up percentage wise. You know, if it's 50% for this or 25% for this, then, then just make your own little pie chart right there. What are you doing? You're trying to make it easy so that I can look at it as a at a glance and I can see where we're currently at. Now, you begin to ask questions, and this is in your notes. And uh, in preparation for your regular finance meeting, you need to spend a little time looking over the finance uh, or, or the spending plan and updating it. You need to ask yourself some questions about where you're at financially and what you can do with the money. You, you need to ask yourself questions about numbers. This is where I used to trip up because numbers were just numbers, and I didn't know how to ask questions of them. Remember, money is an excellent servant, but a terrible master. So you're going to ask your servant some questions. You're going to say to your servant, okay, is this still important to me or us? Does it still support our goals? If I look in my, in my uh, uh, say this is my food budget, and my food budget is now adjusted because, hey, man, I learned that uh, during my three weeks of fasting that I, that I, I kind of got off the, the wagon of eating out on, at this number of times a week, and I found out that I, I like to make, uh, I like to cook a little more at home, and so I adjust things, and so it's much, can I just tell you, uh, we'll get into this next week a little bit, it's much less expensive to cook at home than it is to eat out, like much. Now, here's, here's where the challenge is for many in, in the church, is that many of us grew up in homes where we weren't taught to cook. We weren't, we didn't, we weren't, uh, we didn't, weren't raised up in settings where, uh, where cooking or baking was fun, and, and, and that wasn't communicated, and, and so now uh, food becomes a major part of the budget, because there's a lot of eating out, there's a lot of all of those kind of things. When you go to any fast food place, baby, it's retail, you're paying retail. You're paying retail. I once uh, was on a church outing uh, with a mom and uh, her kids, and uh, we stopped by McDonald's on the way back, and uh, we, you know, everybody got what they wanted at McDonald's. And she had, uh, I think she had five kids. I think that we, it was a mom with five kids. This woman could run a Fortune 100 company because of the way she looked after her family. She was that good a manager. And she, by the time she saw how much the bill was with those kids, she said, she said, for this one meal, I normally can go a full week. I can feed these kids for a week on what we just paid for this meal. That's good management. But she knew it down to the penny because she did it so much. Um, one time there was a, there was a, a, a couple uh, that I'd done a wedding, uh, a wedding for, and uh, I bumped into the wife at, uh, at, the, at Walmart. And she had, it was just before Christmas, and she had like her, her cart was like full and um, flat screen TV and some other stuff, you know. And they had kids and, you know, and she didn't work outside the home. And uh, I said, man, I said, you, I said, it looks like you're going to have a good time this year. She said, yeah. She said, this, this is the second year. She said, the first year. She said, this is all the stuff that I was able to buy from my grocery money that I saved through the year. She said, the first year when we got married, it was a pair of socks. 
But this year, she said, he would give me the grocery money, and I would find creative ways to save money. And all of these Christmas presents came out of the grocery money. How cool is that? What's that? That's savvy money management. That's savvy allocation. That's saying, instead of spending this, maybe I'll spend this, and I'll use that money somewhere else. Right? There are all kinds of ways to do it. And, and historically, I think what's just happened in the church, you know, is Titus chapter 2 hasn't quite happened, where the older women look after the younger women and teach them how to run their homes and that, that kind of thing. And so the breakdown of the American family has uh, shifted us into a place where we had to have dual income because, hey, somebody didn't learn how to, uh, how to cook and save money in the, in, the, in the kitchen and extend the dollars that are coming in through the door. Now, this this is no condemnation on anybody. I'm just, I'm just 10,000 foot view looking at it and knowing what people go through and saying, you know what, if, if you, if you find three or four good meals that you can put together that are tasty, let me tell you, I, I, I much prefer the taste of, of the food that I cook to anything in a restaurant anymore. Why would I go spend all that money on that when I can do better at home? and have a good time doing it, right? And, and so, so being able to think through there, uh, is this important to me? Does it support our goals? How much longer do we need to pay on this debt? As you're paying debt down, you can, get, you can accelerate it. Are there better ways that we can track the expense? Um, are there ways to minimize or eliminate this expense altogether and move the money toward our future? You need to ask those questions uh, together as you sit in your finance meeting. You need to say, hey, we can look at this. This isn't, uh, you know, this is where we set it up, but this isn't, doesn't have to stay the same. It can adjust as we go. Good money managers understand the importance of asking questions of the allocations. Here's one uh, I'm going to skip ahead. What would we do with an extra $50 or $1,000 a month? The reason you want to ask these questions ahead of time is because when it comes, you want to have a plan for it. If you don't have a plan for it, that is an argument waiting to happen. What are we going to do with the windfall? What are we, what could we do if we, if we decided that we wanted to pay this debt off early, what, what could we do if we had an extra $50 a month and how would we spend it and just play a little, they, you know, investors used to call it paper trading. You know, if, if you took a percentage or you took an amount and you, you invested it on paper, you didn't actually spend the money, but you just invested it on paper and you tracked it. How good is your investment strategy? Well, this does the same thing with money management. You say, if we had extra money and we did some things here, what would we do? with it. And, and so you do that ahead of time so that you avoid any kind of arguments. Well, I kind of thought we would do this. Well, didn't you think we should talk about that ahead of time? Right? Um, here's another thought uh, as it relates to this. Um, don't think in terms of only one job in your life. Don't think in those terms. I, I've got a teaching that I've done. If you shoot me a, a text or an email, and I'll, I'll, I'll email it to you. It's a, it's a thing I call the doctrine of five incomes. Um, uh, there was a season in our world when you could work one job. You know, I've, I've had uncles that uh, retired from Ford Motor Company, from General Motors, and it was the accepted thought back then that you would go to work somewhere, and you'd work that company for 35 years or whatever. Maybe, you're, maybe you work for the government. Maybe 
you're in military and you do that one thing for X number of years and then that's it. You know, you're done. You, you, you paid your dues, you done your thing and that's all you need to do. Um, that is less and less likely to happen. And a lot of that has to do with the onset of how technology is booming and, you know, all the different things. Things change a lot faster. Businesses get, you know, bought out, mergers happen, contracts get changed, all of those kind of things. So it makes it a lot harder for you as a worker to say, I'm just going to put all of my eggs in this one basket, all of my money in one area, and I'm going to just do that for the rest of my life. It's harder to do that these days. So here's my suggestion. Uh, have five incomes. Don't just have one. Uh, you, you have other things that you can do. There are other things that people would pay you to do. I can't see that, Pastor Ken. Can you do geometry? Because if you do, I can get you a job tutoring. Can you do algebra? Can you do calculus? Then you could teach somebody how to do that. Um, you know, there was a season when every, every year, uh, Mary and Henry around here, she would make uh, hot milk cakes. Whenever her kids wanted to go on a missions trip, let me tell you, those hot milk cakes are better than crack. They're awesome. And, and she would make hot milk cakes and people, she would sell those puppies. And I'm like, Marion, this is a business for you. You could flat do this, you know? And, uh, and so there are things that you could do. You just have never looked at it that way, but there are things that you could do. Uh, we know people that go on, they go door dashing for date night. And instead of spending, you know, 50 or a hundred bucks, they make 50 or a hundred bucks, you know, uh, and they're together and they're driving around in the car, you know, and laughing at people. I don't know. Um, and so you, they're, they're, you know, have different sources of income, discover different income streams. It's easier than ever than it ever has been with the onset of the internet. You know, utilize that, make that happen. Last thing I'm going to talk about is automation. Um, some of y'all have fallen asleep. So let me wrap up. Automation, the technique of making an apparatus, a process or a system operate with minimized human input. The reason that automation is so important with money is because that money gets tangled up in your emotions. The handling of money gets tangled up with these emotions. And depending on how you feel, like I can, I can track this in my own life. One day I'm feeling really wonderful and generous and I'll probably bump into somebody and give them some money. I'll just, I'll just be free with it. I won't, I won't register in my mind, hey, you need to think about that. Now we've, we've figured it out in the allocation of, of our budget and I just have money that I can just give or I can spend. However, that's the season of life we're in, thank God. Um, but, but, uh, but there was a time when... When, when I knew, you know, that, uh, that uh, I was freer with money when I shouldn't be. Are you tracking with me? Um, I've, I've always, giving is how I'm wired up anyway. Uh, but, uh, but, there, but money doesn't care how you feel. He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. What's the best way to gather money little by little? Automation. Best way to do it, automation. Find some way to automate your, your, uh, your uh, savings. Find some way to automate your debt reduction. Find some way to automate uh, the paying, whether it's the paying of bills or whatever the case may be. Here's why. Most of us do bank balance accounting. If you're, if you're weak on finances, where you need to be strong on finances, this is what you do. Um, in the old days, we used to just look at uh, our checks and say, hey, we got money. Look at the checks. 
Some of y'all don't know what a checkbook is, so I, I get it. You didn't laugh. That was funny, though. Um, we got plenty of money. We, got, we still got checks in the book. It's okay. We got money. Um, but you understand. You do bank balance accounting, so you look, at your, you look at what's in the bank, and you say, I can spend money. But what you didn't think about was all of the checks that are written or the expenses that are coming out or whatever, whatever, and then you run what you have in that account short. After you get your, your, your uh, self over onto a budget and have a spending plan, you don't have to do bank balance accounting anymore, and there are certain things that you can automate. Uh, the first time I ever did this, 1994, uh, Heather was born, she was a baby, and I was going on a mission trip with Pastor Scott and Bonnie in 1995, and we were going to be in Cairo, Egypt. We were going to be in a number of places uh, in in India where there were militant Muslims, and, uh, and I had this eight-month-old little baby, and uh, I was feeling the responsibility to be uh, look after my family in case I wasn't there. Right. And so because you can't it's not good business when the Muslims holding the gun to your head and saying, deny Christ or die. And you say, hold up. I got a family back home. Not a good excuse. So I said, well, I'm going to have to figure out what I need to do. And, and so I asked Pastor Scott, I said, so what do I what do I do? He said, you need to get yourself some term life insurance, boy. And I've been telling young couples that ever since. He said, get yourself some term life insurance. I said, sounds expensive. He said, no, it's really cheap. And so he gave me the number of his guy. It was $12 a month for $100,000 worth of coverage. Let's, that's right. For two Starbucks coffees, you can get $100,000 worth of life insurance. It's a little more today, but not much. And, you, and it's, it was set up on automation. And can I tell you, as close, as lean as I used to run my bank account, uh, that was sweating it sometimes. $12 a month. When's that thing coming out? When's that thing coming out? But after the first couple of years, I stopped looking at it. It went on 20 years that my life insurance was automated coming out of my account every month, and we didn't think anything more about it. Now, let me tell you, if something happened to Ken Kramer, Holly would have found that paperwork real quick because she would have needed the money. So you learn to automate the things that you can automate. There's some book suggestions down on the bottom of your page, and I would encourage you to check them out. There's some really great stories in there about learning to automate things. Um, one of the ways that I, I learned to, uh, uh, I began to, I, I felt convicted as I read the book of Proverbs that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, and I've been really having fun spending my inheritance, my kids' inheritance on motorcycles. Uh, but I was a little convicted about it. And so I said, I'm going to find a way. And so I used an Acorns account, investment account, that takes roundups off of my uh, every every card swipe. And it rounds it up. And once it reaches five bucks, then it puts it over into an investment account. I've talked all about that to the men's ministry um, guys. And uh, and so what I did was I took money. Uh, I was I was able to set us out. I, ha I had an amount of money that I wanted to give each of the grandkids. And so I, I would just uh, let that build up un until it was that amount. And then we... We transfer it over into an index fund, which I'll talk about next time. Um, but uh, I'll transfer it over. So it's, it's just something to get them started with. Because when it comes to automation and when it comes to money, you've got to have more time. You know, there, there are variables, right? So you've got percentages of, of return. That's one thing. But time is the thing that all of us need to understand. You're never going to get any more of it than you already have. So automation causes you to be able to harness the power of time sooner than later. And so uh, I would highly encourage you to automate something. Last tip, and then Holly's going to come. Um, a number of years ago, uh, there was a pastor who was really, really sharp with money, and he was teaching a conference. And uh, he, he, he just shared, he said, this is what I tell my staff. And I'm like, okay, I'm not on his staff, but right now I am. 
And he said, if you work 40 hours a week for your money, spend four hours a week teaching your money how to work for you. If you work 50 hours a week, spend five hours a week learning how to make money work for you. And by that, what he meant was, you know, yeah, maybe there's some reading involved, but maybe there's some shopping. Like a, a couple of years ago, I refinanced my house twice in the same year. That sounds pretty stupid, but the, the rate was dropping so fast and we figured it out and it worked much better for us to do that. And now, you know, uh, I don't know, y'all, y'all, many of y'all took advantage of those mortgage rates. Rent, you know, some of y'all remember the eighties when, when mortgage, when mortgage uh, rates were like 13, 15% look more like a credit card. Well, I got, I got a, I got a mortgage loan, two and an eighth percent. Like that's the cheapest money ever. Two and an eighth percent. Somebody going to let me use their money for two and an eighth percent, right? It's just crazy. And, uh, and so, but when did that come up? That came up during my little, my little study time. Okay, I'm going to make money work harder for me this week. So I'm going to look at all everything and I'm just going to identify one of those and I'm going to shop it. It could be insurance. It could be your cell phone. Holly and I switched out of our cell phones. You know, we, we had Verizon forever because you could only have Verizon around here because nothing else was working forever and ever and ever and ever. Well, then, you know, we went over to Total Wireless and oh my gosh, we dropped from like, you know, we had like five lines with everybody that was connected. And so it was a lot of money. And uh, for just Holly and I, it's like $58 a month, where before it was like over 300 you know, that's a big chunk. What did I do? I just, I just reallocated. I just, I just made this one that was here. I made that one, this one, you know, I reallocated. So you, you do that through, through studying. You do that through saying, okay, let me hold, let me hold my Chick-fil-A sandwich in my hand for a minute. And let me say, what could I do for the seven bucks that I'm, you know, six bucks, seven bucks or whatever? What could I do at home? And in, in, in probably I could feed three or five people, you know, for what I'm going to spend on this retail right here. And so you're asking questions and then you're reallocating and then you're just learning to automate. Let's stand this morning and let you stretch out for a minute before my beautiful wife comes and share some announcements. Father, I just pray your blessing on each and every home that's in the sound of my voice right now, whether they're online, whether they're here in the room. Father, I just pray that wisdom would be, uh, would be peaceful and sweet to their soul today. I pray, Lord, that whatever uh, mistakes any of us have made in this room uh, regarding money, Lord, that all the condemnation would fall to the ground, all the judgment would fall to the ground ground. All the cynicism would fall to the ground and we would find wisdom building our house. And Lord, that we would find sustainable opportunities in front of us in ways, Lord God, that we gather uh, understanding and we gather knowledge so that we can implement it in our lives financially so that there's no stress, so that there's more joy, so that our homes are built stronger and, and more confident and our kids grow up in a confident learning environment around money. Thank you for blessing each and every family abundantly in Jesus' name. Amen.